Praise the Lord, Spirit and Truth podcast listeners. We are very excited today to be covering the topic of 14 years in youth ministry with Pastor Marco Salinas. Why don't you greet us, Pastor Marco? Hey, it's good to be with you guys on the Spirit and Truth podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first interview yes. in the podcast. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to do it and share any wisdom that I can after 14 years of incredible 14 years in youth ministry. Yeah, so we're going to jump right in. We have a bunch of questions for him, but let's start with that first one. Uh, Brother Marco, how did you know you were called to be a youth pastor? Was it immediate or was it gradual? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think back to what we actually teach here in our Next Step classes. And in Next Step 3, where we discover our ministry or, or our purpose, two of the things that we talk about are your experiences, your past experiences, and then your heart, what your heart beats after. And so... Um, I, I felt, I feel like the, the call to be a youth pastor comes from my experience as a young person, as a teenager, I won't go into detail, but didn't have the best home life, struggled as a teenager. And so my experiences led me through the Holy ghost to have a passion for youth ministry. And it was also my heart. So my experiences, my past hurts. I wanted to help others in that same age group and demographic. And then my heart beat was for young people, students as well. I received a call. I felt very strong about this and I've shared it before. It was at a, at a youth training. I can remember the day, the church, where I was in the church and I was praying and I felt, and I received, like I felt an affirmation and a call of God on my life. There are two things that happened. Number one was a call of God or the appointment from God in a very strong way for that specific group of people, teenagers. And then there was a recognition by the spiritual authority that I had in my life. So that submission to that spiritual authority. So the call that I felt towards that specific age group was immediate, but the development and deeper burden for it came by reason of use. I, I served where I could. I didn't start in youth ministry. I actually started in children's ministry. Uh, but even while I was serving in children's ministry, I felt a pull to youth ministry. So it came by reason of youth, serving where I could serve. Uh, first, a call and appointment of God. But then, it's important, my leadership and my submission to leadership, they recognize that call of God on my life too. And so when you have the call of God and leaders affirming that and seeing that in you as you're submitted, that's how... I jumped into youth ministry and the rest is 14 years of history. Yeah. And we're going to go through a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think uh, Brother Sleeve at Indiana Bible College always says exposure breeds a burden. Yeah. And everything you said really, really reminded me of that because you definitely jumped in. You started in kids ministry, but you worked your way and there was confirmation from your leadership. And it's just a great example for anyone listening that that's, that's how you do it. That's the best way to do it. Now, uh, number two. What are some differences between youth ministry way back then when you were a teenager and today? Um, one of the, the greatest things that I think I have seen the past 14 years and especially in the past few years, uh, this generation, I see a lot more students that are aspiring towards or desiring the things of God. But what, what does that mean? That's just kind of a general statement, the things of God. Well, what I mean by that are the simple things that go a long way. Uh, involvement in the church involvement in in your youth group pursuing a call of god on your life by going to bible college or being interested in the idea of even going to bible college uh simple things like studying god's word 
And then also sharing their faith. This is a big deal. Students, I've seen this back in my day, not so much open to sharing their faith and knocking doors and just yeah. being out there for, for the Lord. So a lot of our students, I see them, they're sharing their faith a lot more. They're also open to sharing their struggles with one another. I see that here in our own youth group with several young men and, and young women that are have a prayer partner, have that person that they can talk to and share their struggles with and encouraging one another. This all consequently, it's 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 summed up in one one word here, maturity or spiritual maturity. I think students nowadays, they're a lot more spiritually mature. And, and that's kudos to all of the youth pastors, youth workers, pastors that are listening and working and are in the trenches. You guys are doing an amazing job. That's a, that's a perfect segue for this next one for the youth pastors and workers. But what spiritual disciplines or practices would you encourage any youth worker or youth pastor to begin today? Um, you know, you as, as a youth pastor or a youth worker, I, I would encourage you to discover, believe in, pray in, and structure your youth group around the vision of your church and be disciplined in that. Now, that, that may not seem like a, a spiritual practice on the surface, but here's, here's the reality. What God is revealing or has revealed to your pastor for the vision and the mission of your church, if your students under your spiritual direction would become that, that is an extremely vital component to spiritual growth and, and health of your student ministry. So I would encourage you to be completely bought into what your church is doing for God's kingdom. It is the best thing around. Be completely sold out Amen. to what your church is doing and implement that in your student ministry. Uh, another spiritual practice and discipline, you probably would guess that I would mention this, but there is no way around daily prayer and knowing and reading and spending time in God's word. Because you, you can read every book there is out there regarding youth ministry. But if your spirit isn't right, and if you are not studying God's word, then we're just, we've become another after school program. And so I, I do want to bring clarity to that statement, reading God's word and knowing God's word. You don't have to be a biblical scholar, but through your prayer and through your Bible reading, God will give you a word for the students in your youth group that you are leading. And someone said this to me uh, several years back. I'm probably not saying it exactly, but it's summed up this way. When you're reading and studying God's word, don't study in order to create a message. You study to show yourself approved and a message will naturally come from what God is speaking into your life. So, so you don't have to be a Bible scholar, but you do have to have a desire for God's word to read it and apply it in your life. And as you do that, and as you're studying and reading through God's word, he will inspire you with a message to give the students in your youth group. It comes only by prayer, fasting, reading God's word, practice those spiritual disciplines. They go a long way. Amen. Well, I was definitely a product of your 14 years because I remember being at the encounters and all the events and you and the staff always had a great word to say and I could tell also it matched the pastor so that that helped me as a young kid but then I ended up on your staff you know yeah. I was so inspired I was on the staff and then 
you know, thank God the youth was just so large and mature and robust that we got to the point where we needed a young adults ministry. And I'm thankful to lead that today. But I know a lot of that came out of youth. I know a lot of young adult ministry comes out of your youth ministry at a church. If you don't have a good youth ministry, you're probably not going to have a yeah. strong young adult ministry. Right. And, and it's all tied kids and all that stuff. But um, going into that question about staffing, though, is there a perfect team size for a youth group of five versus a youth group of 50? Yeah. Uh, I want to answer this question by, by prefacing it with this. So youth ministry is, is mainly about personal connection with students. Of course, this is all within boundaries or with boundaries. Mm -hmm. So a, a single youth pastor or a just a youth pastor, a person can typically and successfully connect and disciple about five students at one time. This, this does not mean that your youth group can't be bigger in terms of, hey, we have 15 teenagers that come to the church. There's a difference between 15 teenagers that come to the church and 15 teenagers that are actively being discipled or involved in our youth ministry. So a single person can typically disciple about five students. So if you have a staff of 12, then I am suggesting that you can be in fact impactful in ministering to 60 students. This is not perfect a perfect science or perfect math, but I think this is what we can, if we can encapsulate it here with an answer, you know, if you have 12 people on your staff, each one of them reaching five students, you can have a youth group of 60 students that you are, are impacting in a positive way versus just 60 students that just happen to attend their church with your parents. And so it's important. You might say, well, I only have a youth group right now that has two people in it so i don't i don't need anyone else besides me well that's that limits us i believe that you should always structure for growth not mm -hmm. for maintenance yeah. and so it's important that you always add teachers or excuse me staff uh to your team and test the waters test the waters sometimes the most unexpected people that you pull into your team give you the most unexpected results in a good way in a good way yeah and so always structure for growth uh, include people to serve along with you. There's so many benefits to that. We don't have time for it today, uh, but it will bless you to have a full staff. Always do background checks as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always work within boundaries. Yeah, and I know you've done a great job with staffing, and you are a very good uh, staff trainer, and you empower people. And I know you've also done well using interns, which are sometimes older youth who get to help yeah. on staff, which is always again within boundaries but that's always has a potential to get more staff from the kids and sometimes they're excited to help so i know that all of that comes with you knowing how to train someone so what are some books that you would recommend to a youth leader that might help them train themselves uh this is uh an old school one here uh purpose-driven youth ministry mm -hmm. by doug fields doug fields is a youth ministry legend he's not upci but he's done a great job uh, and so that would be a good book that read many, many years ago. Uh, Boundaries and Leadership by Townsend and Cloud. Uh, they do a lot of the boundary series that I am a fan of. Boundaries and Leadership, Boundaries and Dating. Those have been beneficial for personal development, but also to teach and equip your, your leaders and training. There's a book called Prayer. It's Prayer by Verbal Bean. That has helped me personally develop uh, my prayer life, a deeper prayer life with God, structuring my prayer time. At Your Best by Carrie Newhoff, a great book. It helps you to uh, realize where you are most productive in your time management 
And anything that you glean from any book that you read, you can take that and make lessons out of it and inspire your team members, inspire your interns and communicate all that information with them. But that's a great book at your best. That's one of the most recent ones that I've read. And then also uh, UPCI Youth Ministries just released a book uh, a few months ago, the end of last year called Fool. And so this is just fundamental building blocks of youth ministry program, anything youth ministry related. And it's just been a, a blessing to people that have read it and it'll be a blessing to you. Awesome. Well, for these last few questions, we're going to steer into some deeper waters, but we'll start off with this question. Um, in your opinion, from these 14 years in youth ministry, who is the primary spiritual teacher in a child's life? Is that the parents or the youth team? Uh, this this is a, a question that stands the test of time. And every youth pastor, every youth worker uh, dealing with uh, parents or troubled youth, uh, we always talk about this. Uh, let's look at the Bible. Deuteronomy 6 and 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So if you, if you read the Bible, it's clear that the family is the primary institution for our children's spiritual development. The primary we are the primary and if you look at ancient customs and cultures which are rooted in God's Word I'm talking about God's people the Jewish people based on the commandment and you shall teach them diligently to your children Exodus 6 and 7 it's clear that in the home the mother and the father they were totally responsible for teaching their children about these biblical principles who God is uh, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, our relationship to the world, our relationship with sin, our relationship with one another as believers. Everything is rooted in the home. Now, even though the fathers are designated as a primary person uh, in our home for our children's spiritual development, mothers also fulfill a significant role. Proverbs says, listen, my son, to the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So it's the father and the mother's responsibility to raise their children in the nurture, fear, and admonition of the Lord. We absolutely need the church. We need the church. We need one another. But we are, we're American Christians. And the lens through which we see scripture oftentimes is through a westernized lens and mindset. And we begin to think that the church and the youth team is responsible for all spiritual matters and that the family unit is responsible for all other spiritual matters. No, the family unit is responsible for spiritual matters and the development of our children. And so in the Western mind, it's the church is the spiritual formation and foundation for my family. And we are the foundation for everything else. And that's just simply not the case according to scripture. The church will reinforce and support mm -hmm. what is already being taught at home. Amen. Well, that's that's going to bring us to our final question, which is going into divorce with 50%, about 50% of households dealing with divorce, whether they're Christian or not, which yeah. is the sad truth. Um, how can a good youth group help these children from broken homes? Well, I just read to you that the discipleship and the spiritual formation starts in the home. And so when we don't have students that have a 
a solid foundation in their home. And this is not just broken homes, but uh, first time believers or students that are just in our church and they're the only ones that are uh, going to the church. It's important for youth pastors and youth workers to identify those students because they're they're different than students that come from a home where the husband and wife, they're, they're married, they have two parents at home, uh, different than parents that are raising their children in the church and are rooted in, in, in the Bible. It's important for us to identify those students that come from a divorced home or just serving the Lord on our own and for us to step in and influence their lives where there is little or no spiritual direction. Uh, and it's and it's our opportunity to be that spiritual father and to be that spiritual mother that we just described as a primary source for spiritual growth in that student's life. Um, we've noticed that typically a child from a broken home will receive mixed messages. Uh, one parent will say, you know, it's okay to do this. The other parent will say, well, no, it's okay. you can't do that. There's one parent that will try to be more of a friend in that situation to the student. Yeah. And the other one is, is, is going to be the enforcer. So they get mixed messages. So it's important for us as we identify those students to give them some spiritual absolutes that will shape their spiritual well-being because they're hearing so many mixed messages, especially when it's coming from a divorced home. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great answer. I know we've we've had a lot of experience with that in our youth groups, and I know you know I've seen that with my friends, and I've watched you through the years as you've pastored these guys, these friends of mine who come from these broken homes. But a lot of them today are serving on the team. They're helping out in Hyphen. They're serving at church. They're successful. So it's possible. Parents can do it. The church can help. But we've got to be doing those things that you said. We've got to be focused on these individuals. We can't just let them slip by, slip right, through the cracks. Right. Um, to finish it up today for this podcast, we're going to finish with just any final thoughts, anything you'd like to add, just go ahead and speak from your heart. Yeah, if, if you're a, a youth pastor or a youth worker listening, or even or even a parent, it's important for you to, to, to know this and recognize this in your youth leader. Youth leader, youth worker, you, you can't teach passion and you can't teach a burden. So, so this is a huge shout out to those youth pastors that have served for several years or even if you're new you can't teach a burden if you have a passion and a burden for student ministry all these other things that we discussed will be things that you will naturally discover and grow into but it takes a willingness to develop yourself into all that god has called you to be as a youth pastor and a youth worker and so i celebrate all of you that are striving towards that and for any parents that might be listening uh, it's important that you appreciate your youth pastors, your youth workers that are daily, weekly, monthly, yearly investing so much of their time, talent, and energy into your students because they truly love youth ministry. Amen. Well, that's a, a great a great finish for this podcast today. But thank you, Pastor Marco, for coming on. And thank you for 14 years in youth ministry. And we're excited for everything coming in the future. And uh, for you, Spirit and Truth podcast listeners, we're going to end this with a prayer. But Brother, Brother Marco, if you could just pray over us today, just pray a blessing as we close out. Lord, we thank you that you have been so good to us, God. You are you are overflowing this generation of young believers with, with benefits, with a burden and a passion, Lord, for the things that you are calling us to. And now I, I plead your blood over every youth pastor, every youth worker, Lord. I pray that you would take them beyond what they believe they can do in and of themselves, Lord and that they would walk in the full confidence that you are with them, you are for them, 
and that we're going to see a great revival, not only in student ministry, but for the church of today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listeners, stay tuned for more great interviews like this. And please share this, like this, and we'll see you soon.